What would you do if you disappeared and then reappeared five years later? A trip to Europe on vacation sound good? Well, that's what Peter Parker thought. But Nick Fury and Quentin Beck have other plans. We're reviewing Spider-Man Far From Home today. I'm Chris Walker, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. everyone this is nerdcraft nation with christopher walker and everyone else austin hall and brandon kessley thank you for joining us today we will be going over spider-man fire from home directed by john watts and featuring tom holland zendaya and the return of the glorious man himself samuel L. jackson Woo! So far, since it's come out in the United States on July 2nd, it has made at box office $588 million against a budget of $160 million. And it has become quite the resounding success, holding at a 90% currently on Rotten Tomatoes. And in, oh man, I had the Metacritic. Oh, Metacritic has it at a 69 out of 100 based on 54 critics indicating generally favorable reviews so let's get into it everybody how'd you guys like the film i really enjoyed this movie man you you guys know me i'm a huge spider-man person um i mean right off the bat right off the bat i'm gonna say like i while i i did like homecoming more i really i still really enjoyed this one it, it was a very very fun movie for me it was good to see peter taken out of his element and be also just not new york it's nice to see them outside of the country and just doing little like teenage um euro trip stuff that was really fun to watch what continues to impress me is how real the teenage camaraderie is like um i know that in the first spider-man we ever saw toby mcguire had a little bit of the high school years and I actually was able to see some of it on a random night a couple nights ago but the way that these adults talk like kids the way that they they look like kids the way they act like kids yeah really puts you in the headspace of a teenager I think that's it's best quality and they continued with this one as well like the uh, the awkwardness between mj and peter parker was great um ned and was it i think betty yeah betty yeah betty that that chemistry throughout the movie was really funny and great it just, it feels, it almost feels like we're seeing Spider-Man on screen for the first time, which kind of feels weird, but like this is the first time I feel like 
they completely nailed Spider-Man. And that's not to take away from Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, because I loved it as a kid. But they take such a new and unique perspective on this character, an angle that it feels like he's being reintroduced to us without it being heavy-handed or feeling like it's another reboot. Which, in and of itself, is it is extremely impressive considering the fact that we've had three different Spider-Man franchises in, like, you know, 15 or 20 years. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, yeah, true. That's, that's, yeah, since, um, what was it, 2001 or 2002, the Raimi Spider-Man I came out. 2000. And yeah, we've had the Tobey Maguire with Sam Raimi. We had the the dark and edgy uh, Andrew Garfield one with Emma Stone, where the best thing about those movies was the romance, which is kind of sad, but also kind of cool in a weird way. But just like you were saying, piggybacking off of Austin, uh, Tom Holland's has felt like the most genuine Peter Parker to me like and yeah he's gotten the real he's gotten the real sweet spot that we've all been looking for for those of us who grew up with spider-man from both the comics of the cartoons video games etc where like he has the quipping down he has the peter parker down and he's able to be both characters seamlessly and still actually be a plausible teenager probably because when he first shot the the scenes for civil war he actually was a teenager <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was barely like 18 19 yeah. years old yeah like it's it's easier to handle someone that young being quippy and being you know a bit of an immature superhero because they are spider-man is like when he started out back in the 60s and you know generally he was a 15 year old kid in 10th grade who got superpowers what do you expect him to be like he quips to like you know not just to mess with his opponents but because he's nervous as hell through all of it and he's just like i'm a kid how am i supposed to deal with all this He's constantly trying to make himself comfortable in his situations. Because he understands how abnormal it is to be a 16-year-old fighting crime with superpowers. Which I always found to be Spider-Man's best quality. The fact that he realizes that everything is really bigger than himself. And, like, he tries to bring it down a level. Something that I really enjoyed about these past two movies, and generally just as a whole about the MCU, is, like, the script writing. It's very television-esque, and something that happens in really good television is that the speaking, the dialogue, feels like real people dialogue. Like, it feels like someone sat around, listened to a conversation that was going on in a room in, like, a high school in New York, and was like, this is how New York kids talk. (laughs) And it's not, like, perfect, but, like, it's this is really good. Like, Tom Holland sounds like a teenager. He sounds like he's young. He's 23 in real life, but, like, I, if you told me he was like 16, 17, I'd believe you. Is he Especially 23 with or is he height? 21? Sorry. He's, he's 23. He's oh, okay. 29. Okay, never mind. Yeah, also, just for reference, the first Spider-Man movie did come out in 2002. Gotcha. Sorry, Austin, you were saying something. Didn't mean to cut you off. He's, well, it's, he's really short, too. Like, when he was standing next to Zendaya, uh, who plays MJ... He was like her height or maybe a little shorter, but he's I think he's like five eight. Yeah, he's he's pretty short. Yeah, he's five eight. I believe that. Yeah. 
that's average American male height. That's probably average British person height. <laughs> yeah, too. just about. Come on, you guys. Don't well, <laughs> as someone who's five eight and three quarters, I looked up the average male height, and I think it was five nine. So I think him and I are both. We we both just missed the cut. I feel like the average American male height is giving itself the gratuity in. Maybe. Maybe. In, in, in that sense, I guess I'm safe because I'm 5'9". <laughs> I've always felt short all these years. <laughs> I'm 6'1", and I knew I'd be 6'1". When I got to age 13, I was wearing size 13 hey. shoes, So I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> that explains it. We have, a, we have someone... Yeah. There's a tall person that Chris and I know, and he could tell me... He's 6'3 or 6'9, and I believe either one of those inches from 6'3 to 6'9, because I'm... <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking about. I told him that he could tell girls he's 6'9 yeah. and that he plays basketball in Europe yeah. once. I hope he goes with it. I really do. He's a nice enough kid. But yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought for an original story it was very original but it was very grounded in what the comic books have constantly given us a character who's just understands who he is in the world and sometimes just gets lost and confused by that and when you're a teenager when you're that young it's very easy to get lost and confused and lost in yourself and also he's coming out of this big world changing up yeah like, his life has just dramatically changed. His mentor's gone. He's distraught about it. He looks like he's going to have an anxiety attack early in the movie. And it just, like, it doesn't happen. But I kept thinking, man, Peter Parker, when you have that PTSD anxiety attack, I just, I want to give you a hug or just, like, you know, give you, like, a root beer or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and that actually, that makes sense now that you're bringing that up, especially because that's something that happened in uh, Homecoming. When he had yeah. that 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 panic attack after screwing up against Vulture and then having the building collapse on him, which again that scene was taken straight from the comics and the cartoons, the the whole like lifting of yeah, lifting of the building up like by himself, but like that whole breakdown that he had and, and letting him go through that emotional struggle before you know pulling himself together and saying like no one's coming to save me, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And also, just so we can add this to it, um, we're going to do a podcast about Endgame soon, but he dies in Endgame. Like, he has come back to life five years later, and, like, I don't know about you guys, but that would mess me up yeah. a lot. Like, a lot. Yeah, that makes I sense. I can't imagine how I would even be able to wrap my head around that and then go back to freaking high school <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I helped save the universe. Anyway, when is uh, Econ 101 again today? Yo, Teach, um, do we still got to take the AP history exam? Get out of here. Get out of here. How much history has changed since Oh, since oh my God. Tony, you're 19 now? Oh, man, I'm out. I'm out. You guys, I'm quitting school. I'm quitting school. Also, the shrimpy nerd is like a yeah. They they now. made a lot of jokes about it too. Actually, when, when we really think about it, it's like the first yes. thing they did. That's actually something I wanted to get into yeah. real quick. <laughs> um, how did you guys feel about how they dealt with the blip, which is the five years, the five years, and technically eight months between 
Infinity War and this movie. I thought I it was never, really funny. I never like fully understood it. My best guess, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is that like all the main characters that we know, Ned, Betty, MJ, and Peter Parker were snapped out of existence and then they came back and then they're just high schoolers again at the same age? My Yes, actually. And then other people that were in the school or in other schools or just other people that were there grew up as well because they weren't taken away as half the population. And then there was a which was done at random. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> this is bad radio. <laughs> so, yeah, didn't they have to repeat the year or something? Was that the joke? Yeah, the big okay. yeah, the big joke was basically that everyone who was in class with them just ended up going back to school with them. So even if they had already been alive the whole time, they just went back to school. <laughs> <laughs> Which really sucks, especially if you had gotten wait, into wait, college wait. or something during this time skip. No, I thought it was that like everybody who'd gone had gone back and they were back in class with people that had aged into their class. See, that's a point that might be a little unclear and that requires a second viewing on my part. That's what I took it as because like they were talking about how traumatic it is to like go be dead and then come back and then you're like in everybody's aged up from aged up to where you are or past oh yeah that actually that makes a lot more sense that makes a lot more sense (laughs) yeah like that's what i took it as we can review this and we'll put it in the fact checking or we'll put it in the back end fact checking i guess later but um yeah we'll settle that to big (laughs) leaves. but i thought that was also the reason why they were like we need to get you guys out of here this summer because um you know, there was like a battle fought. It was pretty big. Um, aliens invaded for a second there. Oh man, you know what? Spoiler alert! Giant spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Endgame, but then you watched this movie. Yeah, you know what? I take that back. Um, that's on you. That's yeah. on you at this point. That movie's made almost yeah. like yeah. also yeah. Some of the also the, money. the the spoilers would have been in this movie anyways. So yeah, true that, true that. But yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going. So Iron Man died. The question <laughs> Iron Man died. If Casey didn't know, his real dad died, and then he got left with a black stepdad. Yeah, yeah. So, so we. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, happy also, but you know. <laughs> oh. So the multiverse has right. not been confirmed yet, guys. It was a lie. All right, that's my next question. Um, do does the multiverse even matter now? No, and I say not that be- I say that because, and we had a lot of those theories running around, but also, I think we had talked with Jose as well beforehand, and unfortunately, Jose has hasn't wasn't able to join for this, but, um. It was a bit of the trusting the narrator and the fact that the multiverse was coming from Mysterio already put it into question. So I think it was good that, you know, after the big reveal, that we didn't actually have a multiverse confirmed. 
you didn't necessarily have it denied, but right. seeing that Mysterio w- was working with a bunch of folks that we've seen in other uh, MCU movies, surprise, surprise, uh, and pulling things out of their ass and, and using this PR team to spin up this story, I'm going to go with the idea what story that, that be? the multiverse isn't necessarily real yet. Like it could come up, but it wasn't necessarily a part of actually a part of this movie. They could also reintroduce the elementals if they wanted to, considering the fact that in this movie it's all a scam, it's all a mirage created by Mysterio. True. That's completely fair argument. Now that we've gotten through those major points, I actually want to circle back to something. What did you guys think of Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, and his merry men at this point? I actually, what I thought was going to happen, because I know Mysterio is a bad guy, but they were um, setting him up as a good guy in the previews. What I thought was going to happen was that he was going to be a good guy in the beginning and then something would happen to him like maybe a family member would die in the middle of the movie and that would turn him evil. I did not expect him to be a bad guy the whole time and pull the rug out from everyone. So I I was pleasantly surprised by that because I had no idea. I did not see that coming. I was actually waiting for him to pull the rug out because since we know Mysterio, we know that his whole his whole shtick is illusions, and I was wondering how one how they were going to pull off the illusions, but two how much of a facade everything he was doing was going to be. So, the, so when it when it, it came down to the level of detail that they used, I was thoroughly impressed, and it actually made Mysterio into a much better villain in the movies than I've actually used to seeing him in both the comics and the TV shows. This is my favorite version of Mysterio by far. That's actually where I thought that's where I agree with you, Brandon. And I kind of also agree with Austin. I thought he might be faking it, but I thought he, let me rephrase this entire thing. I thought he would be faking it in order to become a hero. So it falls in line with what happened in the movie, but I couldn't figure out if he was just like making magic. Like he was a former disciple of the, the ancient one or is that the person that dr strange works with yeah yeah all right the ancient one or something like that and then i was very happy to be wrong when it turned out that it was just a lot of advanced projectors just advanced projector drones just going around everywhere and that he wanted control of the edith glasses the glasses that tony wears that control his entire empire and like his satellites that he has with orbital weapons just drones at the ready in order to i don't know large a launch large a large scale attack but the emotional manipulation the just like getting in deep with peter and then just being like yo fuck you i'm gonna go for this right now when i get the chance i thought that was brilliant i thought that was amazing i also like the meta commentary of having the mocap suit on it kind of it was funny how they were 
making a movie, but also the movie was kind of like about making a superhero movie. Like we've ne- we've never seen a superhero movie about the bad guy making a superhero movie. So I thought that was pretty funny and clever. I never thought yeah. about yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't Batman. think about that either. That's a good point. Actually, wait. Cool. In this regard, it's a movie yeah, within a movie. But in that in regard, way. that kind of makes Mysterio into Syndrome from uh, The Incredibles. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like if you really think about it, that's a that's a great angle, Austin. I really didn't didn't think about that until just now. Yeah. No, that is a really good point. And what I also liked about that is that I stopped believing in what was actually happening too. Like I I just lost all sense of what was real until Edith, um until Peter was like, Edith, is he is he dead? Is this fake? And she was like, Nope, everything's real. I'm like, all right. Now everything's real. Because before that, I was like, anything can happen. Oh, and speaking on that, what I liked about this movie, and it harkens to this, is that it really felt like a video game because he had a lot of different missions uh, and stuff like that. And he had to battle what was real and what wasn't. And there was uh, a lot of scenes that continually... Uh, mess with me because I thought when Nick Fury comes up in the middle of one of those illusions that that was real and what's yeah. what's funny about that is that they actually have a uh, sequence in the Spider-Man PS4 game it's a lot like that Noah I- yeah and what's even trippier is that the illusion dissipated but nick fury was still there an illusion within an illusion which was wild to me yeah yeah an inception within an inception yeah no he he was he he was significantly more competent in this film than i'm used to seeing and i'm very happy with that that was very well played it messed with me like i leaned over to i leaned over to sabrina during that that whole sequence and i was like this is exactly what um scarecrow was supposed to be like in the batman movies that's a really good point oh yeah like like like, because it's like no go ahead it's like a deep like subconscious like he's messing with your subconscious on a deeper level just to like throw you off and disorient you enough that he can take you out yeah and that's literally what happens to Peter. Like, he winds up backing into a train, and, like, the only reason he's alive is because... He's Spider-Man. He, I don't know. Does he have a healing <laughs> it's because factor? he's Spider-Man. Like, what, what's going on there? It was like, yeah, he... Yeah, that thing caught me by surprise, and I was actually scared. Like, because, like... It, that was a jump scare for me. As soon as the train came through, I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, but, yeah, no, like you were saying, like, the way that, that Mysterio utilized the illusions and manipulated them was exactly how you would anticipate it being for like scarecrow in the batman movies and it's not something that nolan was able to do fully at the time but he could totally do now but they they did that a lot in the batman arkham games where they had entire entire platforming levels devoted to you being in scarecrow's fear gas but yeah i can see them doing that in a spider-man game now and i don't have a ps4 so i haven't played the recent game i don't know if mysterio is even in it but 
having those like having that kind of um multi-layered illusion would be super trippy and and would honestly take out a lot of heroes i i don't see how how a tony stark would have well he, he would have had iron man i don't know how captain america would have survived against mysterio i mean just you know integrity yeah just righteous righteous integrity yeah i get maybe <laughs> you never know you never know you never know he could have a he could keep his third eye open you don't know this is fair. Got to keep your third eye open. This blood. is fair. This is fair. All right. Um, something I actually wanted to get into. I've had I've had a list of questions ready to go, and we've basically run through most of them. But another question that I had was, what did you guys think of the weird little rom com element that was going on throughout this entire movie? I really wow. liked it. Uh, I thought it had the perfect high school feel. Uh, I, I go back again to Ned and Betty. It was funny how they had these two, uh, like, come to Jesus moments at the beginning and at the end of the relationship. Yeah. And the, and the way it was presented was very funny, too. Like, yeah. I was a boy and now I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> like you're the, you're the same age man, okay yeah chill out dog hey man we, we all we all say say dumb shit when we're kids <laughs> but like that i mean we you all everybody says dumb shit when they're also that too, so it's very yeah. much yeah yeah that's true <laughs> but yeah no that i i thought the rom-com stuff was actually really really well done especially given the age balance um a lot of just really funny moments. And I think similar to Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, we really needed this lev- this levity after how heavy Endgame was. Yeah. Like, True. yeah. So, like, having... Oh so like, I can understand, even though, you know, I personally want a little bit of a break with the MCU, I can understand why this would be the follow-up movie. That's very true. I... I especially wound up appreciating the fact that JB Smooth yes. and Martin Starr from Silicon Valley were in this movie because they just like it added like a little cut of just like flavor that was needed. But the rom communists of the movie, the meet cute for uh Ned and Betty on yeah. flight, the excuse me the adversarialness of what's that guy's name oh yeah the asian guy oh yeah peter and brad in the movie (laughs) peter and brad peter versus brad for mj's heart and even like happy and may and like how weird that gets very quickly yeah honestly although we we all should have seen that coming true true yeah, Marissa, Marissa Tomei is a very young May, and she just wants to, you know, keep her options open, Playa. True. I mean, you know, she just Tony's, to, Tony's gone. You, you know, you gotta have someone. Yeah. I mean, if Tony was alive, he has a child and a wife. Like, I don't know if he's just dead oh, yeah, I mean, on Pepper. Yeah, no, I, I mean, on, but, honestly, with bringing that up, I actually, I was just thinking about, like, at the time when in Civil War, Pepper wasn't there. <laughs> 
So like oh, now that, that she's back in their marriage and everything, even if he hadn't died, like he's gone. He's gone entirely. He's he's off the table. He would have been off the table even yeah. if he was alive. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy just swinging in, being like, "Hey, I'm he's still, like, I'm still, your shot. I'm still a hero." <laughs> yeah, like Austin just said, you gotta shoot your shot. He put in work too. He was helping her. He was volunteering. I'm like, dang, happy. You know, Tony left you some billions. Like, don't, don't play. He's a good boyfriend. He's a good summer fling. Yeah, good summer fling. Well, no, that's an above and beyond summer fling. I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe they'll. I mean, they probably won't. But it's maybe they'll fall in love. Maybe I don't know. It probably won't happen. But yeah, it's in play. Like many things are after this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. This movie brought in a lot of elements of rom-coms. Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio had an element of camp to it that wasn't like too campy that it was contrite, but it was campy enough that you could laugh and like understand his motivation. Also, him manipulating the idea of the multiverse was kind of brilliant. Like, we've already gone over it, but him just saying, I'm from another Earth, and I've got weird technology, and my Earth is gone, and I'm married, and I had a kid, and they were all gone. And then just being like, psych, I'm a liar, I got fancy projectors. <laughs> that was brilliant. I gotta give it to him. I gotta, I gotta give it to the writers on this movie. They really went for it, and they were just like, if this fails, it fails, but if it works, it works. Well, just think about the degree of difficulty. This is the movie after the biggest superhero movie event ever of, in history of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they, they freaking pulled it off. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. The fact... I think... Well, oh, go ahead, just Austin, the fact please. that, like, we still have, we're still being surprised by certain things. We're still seeing unexpected um, moments. Me personally, I, I can't speak for you guys, but I'm sure you'd agree with me that we're pretty excited for Spider-Man 3. Like, there's still things to look forward to. After the biggest event of Marvel, of the MCU, we still have things that are worth looking forward to i completely agree with that that is the perfect way to put that yes um i i'm just gonna tag on to that that this movie kind of perfectly sets itself up for the next movie but even within that it deals with the end game so well because it kind of laughs at end game a little bit and it says this was really important but like you guys, that happened eight months ago. It it's dealt with. The world is repairing itself. But you guys are kids. You gotta you gotta you gotta go on with your life. Yeah. Also, like the entire joke about um, MJ pop popping back up, and she was in her apartment, and there were other people living in there. I literally cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause... I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This is how they're gonna play this. All right. Play the ball where it is. Yeah, honestly, it was it was. Re- I thought it was really well handled. The, the, you're right; they did poke a lot of fun at Endgame, especially because, like, when you really think about it, everything that happened in Infinity War and Endgame in the Avengers movies is wacky as shit. Yeah, I mean, you ha- yep. the universe just got saved. 
by a bunch of people from around the universe coming through giant portals fighting a guy who literally looks like Grimace. With a yep. a giant, giant Grimace, Grimace with freaking like like a double bladed sword and like gold armor. And you had a talking tree and a talking raccoon as part of the squad that saves the day. And you had freaking Ant-Man as a major player in this. Like everything about that is really wacky. Yeah, we don't talk about that enough. Ant-Man kind of saved the world, technically speaking. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Like, they go and they prove time travel is completely plausible and possible in in this universe. It, like, time paradoxes, kind of a thing, kind of just create new universes. There's, they opened up a realm of possibilities, i.e., i.e. the multiverse, but at the same time, they kind of just say, listen, the world's fucked up, you guys. We, It's it's wild. It's nuts. We're going to have to laugh about this at some point. Why not in a Spider-Man <laughs> movie? Exactly. Circles back to what we've all said earlier. Spider-Man makes a lot of quips in order to get comfortable. This movie makes a lot of jokes in order to get comfortable with oh the Oh my play. god, that's so well said. Bam. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. You just snapped my you just Thanos snapped my brain. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Jeez. <laughs> I would like to think I Hulk snapped your brain into Hulk snap. The reality we're it's currently a- in now. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Professor Hulk <laughs> to the rescue. Professor Hulk. I see this as an absolute win. Hulk's arm. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no. Um, one thing that I did appreciate, and we've talked about it a little bit already, um, with both Far From Home and Homecoming, is the fact that they really let the villains act. Like, like Michael Keaton really got to act and really be vulture and be menacing, even to someone who vastly, who's su- much more superior in terms of strength and ability in in Homecoming, and then Jake Gyllenhaal got to act and be really, really charming and a really, really clever, conniving thief person for um for Far From Home. In in a lot of times, the strength of a superhero movie is only as good as the villains. And so when you have a solid actor for the hero, you need someone who is their equal or better to be the villain. And you need to have someone who's compelling enough to actually challenge them. And and I think having having Mysterio challenge Peter in in this in all the ways that you've described, Chris and and Austin as well, was really important for Peter's development, especially in a, a world where he's a he's technically an Avenger and doesn't know whether or not he's supposed to be a leader of the New Avengers or a leading superhero. Period in the real world. He kind of is and kind of isn't. He's also still a kid, and he, you know, he's searching for, you know, that that figure to really mentor him because, like you said before, Tony's gone, and he was looking for it a little bit in Mysterio, and then Mysterio turned on him. Um, you yeah. know, so far in the MCU, Tony Stark has technically been Uncle Ben, even though Uncle Ben is dead. Um. But Peter's learned a lot of, of lessons from Stark, and with Stark dead, now he's got to take a lot of those lessons to heart and really, really 
grow into his own and become his own superhero because there was a lot of talk about who's going to be the next Iron Man, who's going to be the next Iron Man. And I have a theory about that, but it's not necessarily Spider-Man. Spider-Man has to grow into his own hero. Captain Marvel? (laughs) Don't invoke her name. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know that this is going to be a hot take later, so save it for hot takes. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, I like what I... The takeaway I got is that they let Jake Gyllenhaal be Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. So they let him be mild-mannered, but they also let him be maniacal in all the right moments because he's been in some really messed-up roles throughout his entire career. And he yeah. got to show off some of that in this movie. Got to show off yeah, that range. He's gregarious. That range. He's gregarious. He's soft spoken. He's weird. Like all of that is on full display in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's camp, you guys. That's, that's camp <laughs> in a nutshell. It's range. And also, I would like to just interrupt and say something. Put some respect on my guy's name. It is Academy Award nominated actor Jake Gyllenhaal. First of all, off ooh, the jump. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. What about was he? That. Put some respect. What movie was he nominated that. for? Brokeback oh, Mountain. Best supporting I forgot actor. he was in that movie. Wow. <laughs> How can you forget that he's in I that didn't movie? See it. <laughs> he is the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, sorry that all of us can't just be art house film lovers of Ang Lee movies. I'm sorry. Except for that one movie with, like, the long walk to, like, do the middle of, like, uh, I, I'm not going to remember which <laughs> Ang Lee movie this is, but it's really not that great, and it's very disappointing. Listen, man, the only Ang Lee movie I remember is the Hulk movie, and that was garbage. Yeah, yeah, that's trash. Um, have you ever seen Life of Pi? I haven't. Though? It's on my list. You really should watch Life of Pi. You have you? Read I the book? have not, and that's one of the reasons I didn't watch the movie. Mm, mm, that's first of all, you should read the book. The book is fantastic. It's one of my favorite books of all time. But the movie is amazing, and it's very beautifully shot. The movie I'm thinking of, by the way, with the long halftime walk, is Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, which was, um, how do I put this? Um, it's trash. <laughs> it's, it's just straight up trash. Really? A, a pandering a, movie to the military and um, fake patriotism is trash? <laughs> Whoa, you... <laughs> Could have fooled me. Could have fooled me, man. Um, it has Vin Diesel in it. That's why I wanted to watch it. Vin Diesel and Steve Martin and Chris Tucker and Kristen Stewart and Taylor Swift's boyfriend. And I was like, sign me up. And then I watched it. And I was like, you got to miss me with that angle. Come on, man. Come on. How are you going to do me like this? Dang. He is directing Gemini Man. Yeah, I he think. is. Yeah. Which I, I know I've complained about Will Wait Smith a, a little bit, and that's this is a tangent, but I'm interested in that movie. I am too. You know what I've noticed about Will Smith is that he's a great actor, and he's in a lot of movies with interesting concepts, but for whatever reason, the movies never live up to what they should be. Because the ideas are great. Like, Gemini Man is great. I Am Legend is a great idea. 
Um, I could go on and on with the movies he's been in, where the concept itself is great. I Robot. And it just, yeah, I Robot. I Robot is and they just they just don't. Sorry, not Hitch. Hancock. Sorry. Yeah, Hancock, and they just they don't. And it's not it's not Will Smith's fault because Will Smith is the best part of each one of these movies. It's just the director or the writer just doesn't get that extra oomph that turns it into the movie that it should be. But the concept's all there. Yeah. He's even really good. He's amazing in Ali, and he's really good in Concussion. Yeah. But uh, on the other side of that, though, he also does movies like Wild Wild West and Bright, and those are and both... Suicide Squad. He was Academy good in Suicide Academy Squad, Award too, Suicide Suicide Squad. Squad. He, he was good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You better He was good as that. Deadshot, though. Like, that's... That's further yeah. from my point. He was great as Deadshot. Exactly. Yeah, but like nobody was good in yeah. <laughs> Everybody was there to collect that check and so probably some Netflix stock too. Although, um, uh, allegedly, allegedly. Got to put that That's allegedly fair. in front of it. That's in this fair. case. Should, yeah. we, should we circle back to, um, to the Spider-Man? Okay. I mean, if we have to, <laughs> I could talk about Will Smith's legacy in Hollywood all night long. We could talk, we can get into the entire uh, Jaden Smith. Happy birthday, Happy birthday Jaden Smith. Smith. Um, right now, but we'll circle back to Spider-Man Far From Home by John Watts, who's not British. <laughs> so surprising. Directed cop car, though, so he's cool. That's fair. That's fair. But I think you said you had some you had some other questions or hot takes. No, we answered all my. Oh questions. dang! Yeah, I I we ran through them really. Um. So, but actually, I'm now gonna go off the dome and go with what would you guys like to see from the next Spider-Man movie? Ooh. You already know what I want to see. Yes, but Brandon, this is a podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm my readers. Who who do you think you're fooling here? Fair sir? enough. Do I have to call Fair Leon? <laughs> Shouts to Leon. All right. Well, for for those who oh don't God. follow me on Twitter or know me in real life, I really want to see Craven the Hunter in the next movie. He is long overdue. As much as I want to see a Sinister Six movie, I think if even if they do that, it has to be spearheaded by Craven the Hunter. And I, I think that the way that they ended with the post credit scene is the ultimate way for them to have, if not the Sinners of Six, to have Craven. It makes sense. So who is Craven the Hunter? Because I'm not very f- familiar with him. How how would how would you integrate him into this into the third movie? Okay, so did have you ever? read the short story the most dangerous game yes i have okay so imagine the guy imagine the hunter in that as a villain to spider-man and just runs around with um like like leopard leopard skin and, and stuff like that as his, i his outfit. am in yeah so the, you have it, sold me yes he is a literal <laughs> hunter who runs awesome. around killing the most dangerous beasts in the world, and then his greatest challenge has been Spider-Man. Can I piggyback off of this real quick? Please do. I actually think that the... What is it? Is that the mid credit scene? The mid credit scene with J. Jonah Jameson 
played by what the one and only yes. K.K. Simmons, kind of gives us a layer to do that because that's a beef. That's a serious beef throughout the comic books, throughout history, really, when you think about it. And what could happen that would make uh, Craven the Hunter come to the U.S. to hunt down Spider-Man? Hmm, I wonder. Maybe he gets paid by J. Jonah Jameson to go after him. Maybe something happens that ignites their beef to be a lot hotter. And J. Jonah Jameson is like, let me pay this guy off to go after Spider-Man and bring me his head so I can prove that it's really Peter Parker. Because at the end of that movie, they kind of play the DailyBugle.net as kind of like a, what's that website? InfoWars. And it's InfoWars-esque. Yes. And I thought that was a really nice element to build a third movie in this series off of because if you're going to go and make excuse me, J. Jonah Jameson into a hot take artist, you gotta just go for it. You gotta just gun it. And to make him an internet hot take artist in this modern era of InfoWars and there's another Republican website, not Republican, uh, right-wing website, conservative, disgusting to people of any nature that are not white men, cisnet white men, um, I'm not going to remember it at all. I'm sorry, you guys. I've failed you. I'll just go into my corner. Aww. <laughs> you sound like you need a hug. I think I might be thinking of the Daily Caller. Maybe. But no, I mean, you're you're right about the, the InfoWars stuff. Like, this is actually something that they were doing in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. The one that had um, Drake Bell as Peter Parker. Where they had... Um, they had the Daily Bugle as the website, and like and like MJ in that show was actually working for the for for Jameson at the Daily Bugle um, blog. Whoa! Oh, I'm thinking of the Drudge Report. Ah, uh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, there yeah, we go. But yeah, no. Report. Honestly, the reason that I came up, and I guess we can, I guess is this us going into like future theories, or we're just, I guess we're continuing on this thread anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um. Yeah. The reason that I was thinking about Sinister Six as well as well, like well, first things first, Craven's part of the Sinister Six, so it doesn't really matter. Like he, like, like yeah. they can do Craven or they can do Sinister Six. Um, the reason I was thinking Sinister Six is because in the post credits for Homecoming, the Vulture met the met one of the characters who's supposed to become the Scorpion, and Scorpion was someone that was that was, um, made basic by Jameson. Craven could honestly come to the U.S. as his, of, of his own volition. He doesn't really need to be hired. Like that's just for him. It's just the thrill of the hunt. But like, but like, if Jameson has beef, like I was thinking that, especially since they've done a really good job so far of um, maintaining the integrity of the Spider-Man villains, while he's still utilizing the fact that Tony Stark is the bigger character these days. Um. Mm. I thought that maybe they would, you know, utilize some Stark tech to create Scorpion and then have the Sinister Six come out that way. Because we already had, like, three of them in the last movie. And then, you know, granted, I, I think Mysterio's dead, so we might need more <laughs> more people. <laughs> but. I actually want to get into that in a second. Okay. But, Austin, do you have any theories on what the next movie will entail for Spider-Man and... I know that they want to do it senior year 
So they're probably going to continue to play up the high school movie um, part of it. There'll probably be a prom uh, where the main villain attacks them. Um, I think the main thing they're going to focus on, and I hope they focus on, is what does Peter Parker do when everyone knows he's Spider-Man? How do people treat him? What is his day-to-day now that everyone knows? Is he trying to pretend it's not true? That would be that. That's the thing I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, beyond that, you know, whatever they give us is something I'll be happy with. Cra- like Craven the Hunter would be good. Sinister Six would be good. I'm I'm good with any of those. But as long as they play up the high school element, the fact that he's thinking about his future, and couple that with how is he's dealing with is either newfound celebrity or infamy, then you'll have me uh, a happily paying customer. I like that. Oh, yeah. Actually, one of my favorite arcs is the post-Civil uh, War Spider-Man, just because he outs himself as being Peter Parker, and he gets sued by James yep. Jameson. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And it's just like, I swear, Austin, if you ever get a chance, you should look that up because it is amazing. Like, his world goes to hell really quickly. And then literally the devil, like, fixes it for him. Yeah. So, you know, just just normal Yeah, post-Civil War Spider-Man is some of the most interesting stories that they told for Spider-Man in the modern era. Yeah. I personally think. Because, yeah. I Because agreed. he, yeah. People try to kill him like yeah. every other day. I mean, there was that whole point where they had the little mini arc of the back in black where like he he, he went back into the black costume. And this is after, you know, Venom's already a thing, but he just made his own black costume, went out, went to Rikers and then just 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 went to town on like all of his villains, including Kingpin. And it's just like, just like, 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 let me be clear. Any of y'all touch my family again, I'll be back. And then he just dips and we're just like, yo, yo. <laughs> Peter just threw hands. <laughs> Peter is just like, I don't know if any of you have watched the show Angel. Yes. Not, not in a while. Yeah. I don't remember okay. shit about it. All right. Well, after Angel's son is born, like all these demons and the law firm that's after that's been after the son when um Darla was pregnant, they like all are attacking him and everything like that. And Angel goes in after just like fighting off everyone and he goes in to the law firm and he goes and he stabs a guy through the hand or he kills a guy. I cannot remember. But then he goes and he gives a speech about like wanting his son to have a normal life and all this stuff. And he declares that the head of the firm is now his son's godfather. And he's like, you, if anything happens to him, I'm coming after you first. And you're going to pay for college and all this stuff. And I'm just like, that's how I felt about what you just described, Brandon, because that was just like, Gauntlets throw down. What what's next? Make your move. There's rules to this. This is a war, but we're gonna have rules. Yep. Let's go. Yep. Game time. I personally would love to see Kingpin, and specifically Kingpin that was in Daredevil 
played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio from um, Law and Order. I think it was Criminal Intent. He's from one of the Law and Order shows. It is Criminal Intent. It's definitely Criminal Intent. He was not on SVU. Okay, so yes, from Criminal Intent. You know when you see someone from SVU. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. Also, um, I didn't do my first things first. Fuck blank. Um, fuck SVU, by the way, because SVU is inspired by the woman who put away the Central Park Five. Fun fact. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say fuck Andrew Garfield and everybody involved in Amazing Spider-Man series, but, you know, they they got to deal with that. Except Emma Stone. Fuck you for La La La. <laughs> um, Damn. Tell us how you really feel, Chris. Yeah. I just burn every bridge ever ever possible why white people teaching me jazz I'm doing um but more austin's heard this opinion from me and multiple times in the past so he's not surprised no not at all <laughs> he's just so relaxed about it i would love to see a sinister six hired by the kingpin to come and take him down and he gives them technology and it originally is a Sinister Five, or they're called the Fearful Five, and then Craven comes in. They're like, "What? What, what do we call ourselves? Sinister Sticks. You're you're now the Sinister Sticks, and that's how that goes." I'd also, I don't want a Venom versus Spider Man movie yet. Allegedly, there's plans to make like nine Spider Man movies, so we'll get to those in the college years when it's time for that. But so we don't have to deal with that yet but that would be perfect for like movie like number mm, like five or six because i still have the taste of spider-man three in my mouth yeah we all do never forget spider-man three yeah i think one of the well honestly i I still think that endgame and infinity war in the blip and all that actually gives us potential for Miles Morales. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what their plans are for, for, for Peter. I don't necessarily see them going through with, with three trilogies of Peter Parker. I, yeah, I, think I would see them. We're going to get nine movies altogether. I think what's going to happen is we're going to get four and a half movies of Peter Parker four and a half movies of miles morales and i'd be okay with that like it's one thing to have the same character like having nine batman movies will get exhausting but if it's but only if it's nine movies of bruce wayne if they had like a bruce wayne trilogy a dick grayson trilogy and a tara mcginnis trilogy that might be interesting that would be cool i'm running to the theaters then yeah, but like, so like, if they did nine movies of Peter Parker, like, with especially if it's the same actor, I'd get exhausted. I mean, granted, we've already seen pretty much twelve movies of Spider-Man with Peter of Peter Parker, and we've had one Miles Morales movie, and that was the one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. <laughs> um, I can't imagine they would introduce the uncle in the first solo spider-man movie and then not bring in miles morales at some point yeah i mean in their defense though donald glover has a lot of juice he's getting disney money he's got some fox money oh no that's still disney money Um, true 
He's getting money everywhere right now. Like, the man's got juice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be cool to see him come back as a prowler. Yeah, that would be awesome. Make him and put him on the season. Yes, that's a great point. That would be that would be beautiful. Him, um, the guy that played the guy who was in Vulture's crew, yeah, the shocker guy, Vulture. Yes, shocker guy. Mysterio, but Mysterio is just a giant illusion of two drones. Yeah. Because at the end of this movie, you see the guy go and download a full program and put it onto a little hard drive and then run away. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just no, saying. That's yeah, I agree, and that's why I think Mysterio's dead, like Jake Gyllenhaal's character. But that anyone can be Mysterio because of that whole PR team. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal is probably going to come back in some capacity as an illusion. As an illusion. Yeah. Um, what was going to be my last person? Oh, the guy from the prison scene as Scorpion and then Craven. Or we can swap out someone for, I already said Prowler. Yeah. Yeah, then we're fine. Wait. Before I forget. No, go ahead. Does, did anyone get the Marvel Zombies reference when... Iron Man is coming out of the grave in the one of the Mysterio illusions. I didn't yeah. explicitly, but I know but I know what you're talking about now. I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. It's not the most blatant. Actually, no, that's yeah. a blatant reference. Who are we kidding? That's very yeah. blatant. You know what? Um I don't know how like how how deep are you guys in Spider-Man again? Because I I just got an idea. If we don't have Kingpin, we can have a couple other folks. Let's hear it. Please go ahead. What if we get Tombstone in Silvermane? That boy, you just playing with your own imagination, <laughs> ain't you? Like like because you know because they have Hammerhead and they have Tombstone, um, and then you have, like Silver Sable. Hey Brandon, do you do you hear the phone in your background? That's Disney <laughs> calling. I'm sorry. That's Sony calling. That's Amy. You're Pascal welcome, calling. Amy. Yeah. But no, that's actually a really good idea. I would never have thought of that. Yeah, that way we can get a gangster who's still a threat to Spider-Man, but not necessarily have to worry about it being Kingpin. In the '90s, Sylvester Stallone would have been the perfect tombstone. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have to find someone that's Sylvester Stallone-esque. I mean... Maybe the Romanian guy from Creed 2. I mean, they could also just put Batista in. Oh yeah, yeah no they can't. They was... can't. Because he's Drax. Exactly. They could make it the guy from Stranger Things. David Harbour? No. Has everyone seen Stranger Things? I surprisingly have not. Okay. No, I don't watch that pretend show. I didn't, All I know pretend is I didn't say anything. Winona Ryder. <laughs> oh no, I just straight up don't. Oh, watch you don't it. watch it? Okay. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not gonna. Re- I'm not gonna reveal any spoilers either. Anyway, so let's just pretend I didn't say anything. <laughs> All right. 
That didn't happen. <laughs> oh, he doesn't want to spoil it for the audience. I get what's going on <laughs> yeah. here now. <laughs> Went way over my head, Austin. That's I'm okay. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it for I was like, uh, Brandon either. See, uh, Austin's thinking ahead, though. Austin's a better person than I am. I'll spoil anything <laughs> for anyone. I don't care. <laughs> People spoil movies for me all the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't count if you've already done it. <laughs> now I'm going to go to my corner. Yeah, you better. All right, everyone. Let's get some ratings on this movie. Let's start with Austin today. Overall... I would call it a an 8.8 or a 9. Um, one of the best Spider-Man movies I've ever seen. I, I don't think it's the best one I've ever seen. Because I think Into the Spider-Verse and I think the original Spider-Man from a nostalgia and from a storytelling standpoint just beat it out for me personally but it's de- that's completely fair it's definitely one of the better marvel movies so 8.8 for me you said 8.8 8.8 i'm going decimals okay Whew. all right you're saying 8.8 so I realized, like, I wrote the review for Homecoming uh, two years ago. And I realized that I never gave Homecoming a number score on that review. To... God damn it, Brandon. But, since, but I probably at the time would have given Homecoming an 8.5. So I think that because I like this movie, but I still think that Homecoming is better, I would give this an 8. that's fair I think visually this movie is amazing I think the script is great so hmm I would give Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse a 9.5 I would give this a 9 out of 10 hard 9 out of 10 I really just thought this movie was great I'm I'm currently debating how I feel about Spider-Man 2 because I think that that's one of the best superhero movies of all time, if not the best superhero movie of all time, withstanding Endgame and Captain America. Winter Soldier. um, Winter Soldier. But 9, I can feel comfortable about with this movie because it just, from start to finish, it takes you on a ride. And the second half of this movie is amazing the twist and the turns that it takes you on you don't see coming even if you theorized and your theories were correct like i kind of hit certain things spot on and i still went oh i did not expect that to be how this was gonna go also the end credit scene in this one with the yeah. scrolls that opens up more possibilities i feel like we should have gotten into that a little more but Either way, like the end credit and the mid credit scenes are probably the most valuable ones we've had so far in these yeah. movies. 
That's fair. Like, they blatantly set up further arcs to go on for other movies, i.e. for the Skrulls in Captain Marvel 2 or in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie because they're in outer space. Oh, I'm sorry. As Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That might be coming next, yeah. And also, J. Jonah Jameson has been introduced in J.K. Simmons. Oh, I'm sorry. Academy Award winning actor J.K. Simmons can get checks anywhere he goes now officially so affirm nine for everything impact visuals acting everything yeah that's fair i think that's fair yeah all right and now to commence with everybody's favorite portion of our program the one and only hot take city oh yeah wants to go first I'm going to cede the ground to Brandon on this one because I feel like he's been sitting on some hot takes for the past month. Uh, Brandon, you can start. Oh, okay, okay. So, this is the second best, no, not second best. This is one of the, this is one of the better Spider-Man movies that we've seen. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Miles Morales. I'm assuming that's going to happen anytime soon. And... See, I had a hot take that I was going to put in, but I'm keeping that for a different episode. <laughs> I don't I don't have much else to be honest. I said a lot. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have given me the ground first. Do you have a general hot take about anything else that you would like to make on this? Zendaya podcast? is my favorite MJ. Oh, easily. Ooh. Easily. Yeah. It's not even a competition. Yeah, she's my favorite MJ. Tom Holland is my favorite Peter Parker. I agree with that. And I see. I, I don't. I don't think those are hot takes. I think those are just facts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got. Hot takes. Not, hot takes. Not my domain when it comes to when it comes to to reviews for so much as it is Twitter. That's true. I'm telling you, just keep your Twitter open sometimes <laughs> and. Just reread your tweets, man. I mean, my one hot take. Well, oh, actually, I'm gonna piggyback off of your take and just put out here. Um, I want to see the Shailene Woodley take on her being MJ because I want to know if it was trash or not. Because this is early Shailene Woodley from like Secret Life of the American Teenager, so it's probably trash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's a terrible. Yeah, she's a terrible but, like, actress. Have you watched Big Little no. Lies? Is she good in that? She's okay. actually pretty good. I retract. It, I retract that. It surprises me every time I watch it. I still. Meryl Streep is killing everybody but, on that I show. Mean, right she's now, also Academy Award winning actress Meryl Streep. Exactly, Nicole Kidman, Academy Award winning actress Nicole Kidman. Mm, actually, I take that back. I don't know if Nicole Kidman has won an Academy Award. We'll leave that for the fact checkers. <laughs> um. Reese Witherspoon has won an Academy Award. Adam Scott is hysterical this season. The girl from the Poke- from the Pikachu, Detective Pikachu movie is pretty good. Nobody's terrible in that show. Nobody's terrible. Um, Austin, do you have any hot takes for yes. today? I think in the third Spider-Man, there's going to be a setup for Miles Morales in some capacity. I don't know if it's a 
end credits cameo, or maybe it's, you know, a cameo in the middle of a movie, or uh, maybe it's a full-on reveal, but I think that they will do something uh, as a nod to the fans saying, yes, we are going to have the Miles Morales Spider-Man. I also definitely think that there's going to be like a buddy comedy movie with Captain Marvel and Spider-Man. I don't know if it's just going to be Captain Marvel and Spider-Man, but they're definitely going to get in another movie together because they were hilarious in Endgame. And I think their chemistry would be really good. And they've already kind of set that up considering the fact that they've introduced the scrolls into, you know, Spider-Man's movie. So it's not that far-fetched. That is true. I've said this before to both of you that I would love to see the Skull Cree War on the big screen sooner or later. More Yon Rock is a Yon Rock that I appreciate. Indeed. My hot take goes into something that I talk about way too often, which is the X Men. And I think if Marvel actually, Marvel and Sony, which. That deal is so weird. Um, the fact that Amy Pascal gets money off of these movies is so weird to me. But more to the point. If Marvel and Sony, or just Marvel, I don't know how these rights are working, wind up making nine movies and we're turning them out at... When did Homecoming come out? 2015 or 2016? Because Civil War was 2017? 16. That's right. Okay. 2017 so if in two years in 2021 we get the next spider-man movie so we're going every two years if we get to like around the mid 2020s i think they're gonna backdoor enter the x-men into the series of marvel movies yes through through spider-man oh, that's interesting. and i don't know i don't think that there's like a blatant setup from this movie this is what makes it a complete hot take because i'm pulling this out of nowhere but I think that they've had a multi-layered plan and they're they're going to layer it in there. And I have a two distinct characters that I think they're going to do this with. The first one being Wolverine, because in multiple times in the comic books, Spider-Man and Wolverine team up. Spider-Man gives, not Spider-Man, Wolverine, Logan gives Peter advice. He They train together. They're both new Avengers when that becomes a thing. And... They team up on many an occasion. The other person, the other character who I think would be ripe and ready for this would be... You know what? That's bad radio. I did a drum roll on my <laughs> leg. It was terrible. Um, Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Because if I've learned anything, it's that America loves its favorite Canadian, a.k.a. Ryan Reynolds. And if I know anything about Marvel, they know to go where the money is. And congratulations, you guys now own Fox. So the money says bring in Ryan Reynolds, a.k.a. Deadpool, a.k.a. the Deadpool that people actually like, not the one from X-Men Origins Wolverine. I've been sitting on that table. (laughs) I tweeted on purpose, Brandon. I, I didn't want haters to steal it. I, got really uh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. 
I've been tweeting out all my other takes for the past week just to get them out of me so I can keep this one. Okay. Had to break the seal in order to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yes, that is my take. I think that the backdoor entrance of the X-Men is going to come through Spider-Man because I don't know when ever... Like, when do you think they're going to make another Avengers movie? I don't think they make another Avengers movie mm-hmm. until they get through the next round of solo films. Like, they're going to take a break exactly. and... Let everybody reconcile with the fact that they were dead. And yeah, alive. and also just like... Technically, the Avengers are gone right now. Just as they were when they were fractured um, after Civil War. And, you know, to be honest, we haven't... This Endgame is the first full Avengers movie that we've had since Age of Ultron. Because Infinity War, the Avengers were not all together. They were were splintered. That's true. They were splintered and they didn't reunite like... Like Steve Rogers and Tony Stark did not see each other's face again until Endgame. Yep. And technically, Captain America: Civil War, aka as I colloquially call it, Avengers Three A and Thor Ragnarok, aka Avengers Three B, um, only certain fragments of the Avengers teams are yeah. together, but not all together. Yeah, it was the first time we had the original cast together since um, 2015. Yep. Well, all right, you guys. Uh, I think that's about it. I think that covers it for tonight. Uh, You can find us at Nerdcraft Nation on both Twitter and Instagram. And I hope that everybody's enjoyed what we've put down. Um, Excelsior. 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 Rest in peace, Stanley. Have a good rest in peace, Stanley. Uh, everybody, good day to you. Hey, everyone. This is Chris Walker with the fact checking for today's Far From Home podcast. Aunt May was a character who appeared in her own home after the blip with new residents living there, not Mary Jane. The snap was what caused half of the universe to disappear. The blip is what brought them back. In the comics, the post-Civil War rampage that Brandon discussed was after an assassination attempt on Peter Parker that nearly kills Aunt May. The demon Mephisto helps Peter's identity become a secret again after a deal to save Aunt May. Also at this time, J. Jonah Jameson becomes Mir. Weird, right? The order of the Spider-Man movies is as follows. Spider-Man 1 in 2002. Spider-Man 2 in 2004. Spider-Man 3 in 2007. The Amazing Spider-Man came out in 2012, followed by its sequel in 2014. Spider-Man Homecoming was released in 2017. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the first animated version of the Spider-Man movies, made its debut in December of 2018. Thank you all for listening, and we can be found on social media, mainly Twitter and Instagram, with the handle at NerdCraftNation. All one word. I hope we have earned the pleasure of your time. (laughs) 